we've been uh, spending time talking about faith, and we're going to continue uh, studying on faith and learning how to walk in faith, uh, what are the things we must do to be people of faith, and so on. And uh, this morning, I want to talk to us about ever-increasing faith, or faith that keeps growing, keeps increasing through time. Let's look at two verses of Scripture as we begin, and uh, uh, then we will get in some of the things that I want to share here. Let's go in our Bibles to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, please. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Paul is talking to the brethren, meaning he's talking to believers. And he says in verse 3 in Romans 12, he says, I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God has given every believer a measure of faith. If you are a believer, then you have been given faith. Amen? So, but I don't feel anything happening. So, I mean, no, relax. It's not about feeling. God has dealt to you or given to you a measure of of faith. You've got it inside you. You have the ability to exercise faith in God and to do great exploits here on earth. It's in you. God's given you that faith. Amen? Now, about this faith, we must understand that faith must continue to grow. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, he he congratulates them. He commends them about several things. And uh, in Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. Again, he's talking to believers. As it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. Your faith is on this growth process. Your faith is growing exceedingly. And the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. So he's saying, you know, I want to commend you guys for two things. Your faith is growing and your love is abounding. They're going hand in hand. And these two are so important because the Bible says in Galatians 5, 6 that faith works by love. Amen? So we need to have both going hand in hand. Your love towards all brothers abounding and faith continuously growing, increasing. So this morning, I want to talk about this ever-increasing faith, this growing aspect of faith, faith that grows, by looking at four categories of of faith, of people who who were in different levels of faith, that Jesus identified. You know, when people came to Jesus, he, in his interactions, he identified their faith, he located their faith. To some people, he was pretty strong, he said, you have no faith. To some people, he said, and he wasn't too impressed, but he said, you have little faith faith. To others, he said, you have faith. I mean, this faith is getting the job done. You have faith. And then sadly, only to two people, he said, you have great faith. So we want to just look at some of these incidents and say, okay, you know, why did Jesus say they have no faith? Why did Jesus say they had little faith? I mean, what caused their faith to be little? And How come these people had faith to get their miracle? And what was it that Jesus said about these two people that 
He said, you have great faith. And as believers, our faith must grow exceedingly. Uh, you know, maybe we were people who had no faith. And then we moved into having little faith. I've got some faith. You know, it's, the motor is almost starting. But we got to be people who have faith in God. And all of us can be people who have great faith in God. Amen? So this morning is going to be Sunday school. We're going to look at different stories. Just, you know, not going to turn into as much scripture. But just look at these different stories and say, why did Jesus identify their faith like this? Why? And what are the things we must avoid so that we can actually be people who have faith in God? So let's talk about this this no faith business that Jesus said. And the first one that you see about no faith, again, the story times, just listen to uh, these uh, situations. The Bible in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. This is about the disciples of Jesus. They're in the boat. Uh, they're going across the lake that Jesus said, let's get across to the other side. And Jesus happily goes in to get his rest. And all of a sudden, you know the story, there's a wind and the waves blowing in into their boat. And they are all afraid. And they run to Jesus. And they wake Jesus up and say, don't you care, we're about to die. And then Jesus wakes up. He calms the wind and the storm. He turns around to them in Mark chapter 4, verse 40. He says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Yet the gospel writers put it a little differently. But Mark says, Jesus told them, why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? So what made them people of no faith? I mean, these were disciples of Jesus, handpicked by Jesus. They'd been seeing all the miracles. I mean, they had a history with him. But at this particular moment, in this particular situation, when things are really bad and they seemed like they were going down, they let fear control them so much. So dominated by fear. So fear is an opposite to faith. When you let fear dominate your mind, you're, you're afraid of all the bad things that can happen to you. I mean, man, you're the next in line to lose your job. If you lose your job, you're going to lose that, that car, that home, and everything. And all this fear comes into your mind. Or whatever, you know, you're afraid you'll not pass your exam. Man, all my other friends tried and they all failed. I'm not going to pass it. Or you're afraid that you won't get a job after you graduate. All these kinds of things that, that gnaw at your mind and cause fear to come. Listen, if you and I allow fear to dominate us, it will rob us of faith in God and leave us like this. People of no faith. Guard yourself against fear. Fear is an enemy of faith. Another situation where Jesus uh, rebuked people and just said these guys have no faith is, was in his own hometown of Nazareth. Quite interesting. You know, in his own hometown, this is in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Jesus is in his own hometown, Nazareth. And uh, as usual, he goes to the synagogue, he's preaching to them and all the uncles and aunties are listening to him. Right? And when he's done, all these people, you know, their reaction is not like, wow, what a nice message. Wow, we are so proud of our hometown boy. He's like setting our nation on fire. They weren't like that. They said, we know this kid. I mean, we saw him playing marbles in our backyards. 
And we know his brothers, Joseph and Judas and James and Simeon. And we know all his sisters. Who does he think he is? The Bible says in Mark 6, they were offended at him. Because they said, this is a carpenter's boy. I mean, he hasn't gone to seminary. No BD, no MD, no PhD, nothing. No theology degree. I mean, we know him. He's a carpenter's boy. How come he's able to speak such powerful things and do, uh, and do such amazing things? And the Bible says they were offended. And then Jesus made that statement. A prophet doesn't have any honor in his own hometown. And the Bible says in Mark 6 verse 6, he could do no great miracles. And he marveled at their unbelief. That means they had zero faith. It was like minus 10 now. (laughs) Unbelief. Forget zero faith. Unbelief. Negative faith. He marveled at their unbelief. What put these people in that situation? There are two things here that you can observe. First of all, it was their familiarity that brought them into this place. They became familiar with Jesus. Oh, we know this guy. We saw him running. Pardon my my. English, but we saw him running in his diapers. We know this guy. We know he's a carpenter, man. We know he messed up our table. We placed that order and, you know, I don't know if he did, but, you know, I'm just making up. Maybe he didn't, okay? But that familiarity with the person prevented them from receiving what God wanted them to have. The second thing is this, simplicity. Who's he? A carpenter. An uneducated, unschooled, unscholarly guy. A carpenter. You know, Paul wrote like this in 1 Corinthians 1 verses 22 to 26. He said, you know, the Jews look for a sign. They're looking for a miracle. The Greeks are looking for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's foolishness. But... To those who are saved, it's the power of God and the wisdom of God. Amen. Meaning, listen, sometimes we have a Greek mindset. We want God to be complicated, but God is simple. We want God to be complex. God, you know, when God, how should I exercise my faith? We want God to say, you have to breathe out 25 times, take 26 breaths in, go around, turn around, and give you this complicated formula to exercise faith. We want God to be complex, but God so simple. He says, have faith in God. Believe my word. Speak to your mountain. Say, God, speak to the mountain. I mean, is that how I'm supposed to release my faith? See, God is so simple. And our Greek mindset gets offended with the simplicity of God. Amen. This is what happened to these people. Familiarity and simplicity robbed them of what God wanted to do in their lives. You know, when pastor says, we're going to talk about faith, it's like, oh man, we've heard that message so many times. You get so familiar with the message. And it robs you. Of taking your faith to the next level. Can you say an amen? <laughs> so don't get familiar. I mean, you know, and then like, you know, you see pastor playing football. He gets angry, kicks the ball hard, and, and you know, like next Sunday, sports Sunday. And then you get familiar with the person, and then when you get familiar with the person, you tend to not give respect to the anointing and the word that's coming through that person. But you got to be careful. 
Don't let your familiarity with the person rob you from the genuine word and anointing that God's releasing through him or her. It will rob you of faith in God. Don't let the simplicity, you know, God might take a, an unschooled, uneducated person and begin to speak words of wisdom. So like, you know, and in your mind, that simplicity of that person becomes a stumbling block. I can't receive from him because I know he's an uneducated man, whatever. Be careful. It could rob you of faith in God. So no faith. Why? Because of fear. Because of familiarity. Because of simplicity. Now let's talk about these people who had little faith. Whom Jesus rebuked because of little faith. The first instance is in, in Matthew chapter 6. Verses 25 to 34. And Jesus begins like this. He says, you know, do not worry about what you're going to eat. What you're going to drink. What you're going to clothe yourself with. And he says, you know, look at the birds of the air that neither toil nor reap nor store up in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. But look at the lilies of the field. They do not spin and they do not stitch the clothes. Yet even Solomon in his best clothing didn't look as good as those lilies. And then he continues and he says in, Mark, uh, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30. He says, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So what's he saying? He's saying, listen, if you're going to be so worried about all the real necessities, these are real things of life, the food you're going to eat, the clothes you, what clothes you're going to wear, and where you're going to live, you're going to let that worry you, it's going to leave you as a person with little faith in God doesn't impress Jesus. But instead he said, here's how you should be. He said, you know, don't be like the Gentiles, but your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. So here's what I want you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Amen? So what's little faith? Little faith is just being so worried Instead of pursuing the kingdom of God, the purpose of the kingdom, of seeking first the extension and the establishing of God's kingdom on earth and seeking to do what's right before God. Instead of pursuing those things, the call, the purpose, the vision of God, you get so worried about these earthly things that leaves us as people with little faith. The next incident that we find Jesus rebuking someone for little faith is that of our dear friend Peter, right? Jesus sends his disciples off in a boat and he goes up to the mountain to pray. This is in Matthew, the 14th chapter. And he's praying and the disciples are, you know, on their own cruise that enjoy it. Like, wow, this is a paid ride for us, you know. This is going down. It's all so nice and quiet. And then unexpectedly, a storm comes up. The winds begin to blow and it's a very difficult situation. And, and in the middle of all that, Jesus comes walking on the water towards the boat. Peter sees that and he says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come walking on the water to you. You know what Peter's asking? He's saying, Lord, if it is you, I want to do what you are doing. That's what he's saying, right? I want to do what you're doing, Jesus. Now, what does Jesus, does he rebuke him and say, Peter, how could you dare ask for something like that? You know, Jesus doesn't rebuke Peter. He simply says, come. The point here is this. 
Jesus wants us to do everything he's done in his earthly life. He healed the sick. He wants you and me to do it. He cast out devils. He wants you and me to do it. He worked miracles. He wants you and me to do the same thing in everyday life. He's not going to rebuke us for saying, I want to do what you're doing. No. So Jesus gives Peter this word saying, come. And Peter steps out of the boat and he's actually walking in the supernatural like Jesus. He's actually walking on the water to get to Jesus. And while all that's happening, Peter shifts his attention. He takes his eyes of Jesus. He takes his eyes of the word. He takes his eyes of the miraculous thing that's happening. And he begins to look out there and he says, whoa, look at that wave. Look at that wind. And the Bible says he becomes afraid. And he starts sinking. Now Jesus reaches out to him, pulls him up. But he says, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Oh, you of little faith. So what put Peter in? I mean, he began right. He began with faith in God. I mean, I, I could just imagine if Peter had not done that, Jesus would have commanded him and said, hey, you join the rank of those with great faith. He may have said, oh, you Peter of great faith. He may have said that. But Peter began with faith and then suddenly he found himself slipping in to little faith. What happened? Attention. He got his eyes off the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who's got your attention this morning? Is it Jesus? Is it his word? Is it his power? Then you're walking fine. But if something else gets your attention. And in this case it was the difficulty of the situation. It's dangerous because it's going to lead us into a place of little faith. So the lesson for us is hey. Keep your attention on Jesus. Keep your attention on his promise. Keep your attention on his word. That's going to secure your faith. Don't get your eyes off of Jesus. Off of the word he spoke to you. Off of his promise to you. Of who he is. Don't get your eyes off of him. It causes us to decline into little faith. One more example of little faith. This is... The disciples of Jesus in Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 11, 1 through 12. Matthew 16, 1 to 12. It's interesting because before chapter 16 starts, Jesus has multiplied bread on two occasions. On one occasion, he multiplied five loaves, two fish, and he fed about 5,000 people. On another time, he started with lesser. He took four loaves and he fed 7,000 people. So he's done it twice. These people have now a history of seeing bread multiplied. Okay? And in Matthew 16, the Bible says the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they come to Jesus and and they say, you know, show us a sign. Do some magic for us. Entertain us. Impress us. And Jesus says, I'm not going to give you any sign except that of Jonah. And he walks away. They're like wondering, what's Jonah? That's all Jesus says. That's the only sign I'm going to give you. He walks away and his disciples join along and they are probably also wondering like what answer was that? You know, he said, I will give you no sign but of Jonah. And uh, then Jesus, you know, tells them, hey guys, be careful of the bread of the Pharisees. 
whoops, that subject bred again. And the disciples now get afraid. They said, hey guys, this is their reasoning, okay? And I'm imagining it's not there. Jesus says, be careful of the bread of the Pharisees. And here's how the thought process of the disciples go. Hey, you know, that time he forgot to bring bread. Another time he forgot to bring bread. Maybe he's telling us we've got to take bread this time with us. And I was like, oh man, let's, let's, just, let's plan it out. Hey, Peter, you go down to, you know, the bakery there, Amaz or, you know, wherever, and our sweet charity. Just make sure. Just tell them we are on a preaching assignment. They better be ready with 5,000 sweet chariot, you know, whatever stuff, you know. And they're trying to figure this out. Jesus says, oh, no. And he rebukes them in Matthew, the 16th chapter. And in verse 8, he says, Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, oh, you of little faith. Why do you reason among yourselves because you brought no bread? Don't you remember, next verse, don't you remember, verse 9, don't you remember that I multiplied bread, five loaves to feed 5,000 and four loaves to feed 7,000? Don't you remember that? So he calls them people of little faith. Why? They quickly, for two things I see here. One, they forgot their history with Jesus. They forgot their history with God. I want to tell you, don't forget your history with God. Don't forget how, you know, some weeks ago he intervened in the circumstances of your life and he worked something out. Don't forget how he opened that door that you thought would never be opened. Don't forget how he brought that miracle in into your life and you thought that was impossible. Don't forget your history with God. Let every miracle become a memorial in your heart of how great your God is. And in every situation, you say, hey, I've been here before. No problem. God came through once. He came through twice. He's come through so many times in my life. And he will do it yet again. Don't forget your history with God. The second problem with these disciples was they forgot their history. And now they try to depend on their ability. So, okay, now we've got to get bread for ourselves this time. First time we didn't have bread. Second time we didn't have bread. He obliged us with a miracle. This time we don't need his miracle. We'll get our bread. That's how they were thinking. Jesus said, you're a little faith. We've been called to walk by faith. And no matter how sophisticated we get with our intelligence, don't let it rob you of walking by faith in God. No matter how you could figure things out for yourself, your dependence must always be On the God of miracles. You've had a history with God. When you had nothing. You believed God. Today you have something. You must still believe God. When you were uneducated. You believed God. Today you've got your degrees. Still believe God. Don't forget. Your history with God. Don't replace faith with God. With your reasoning. Amen. Now let's move on from no faith to little faith to people who had faith in God. And, and there are many inst- incidents of people whom Jesus commended for having faith. We're not going to look at all of them. I'm just going to quickly run through about two or three of them. Um, Jesus calls us to have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two. 22. He says, have faith in God. If he was standing here this morning, he'd probably say the same thing. Have faith in God. Amen. 
says, have faith in God. And when he saw people who came to him in faith, they received what they came for. And he commended them. He said, you've got faith. Now let's begin with faith to receive forgiveness of sins. In, in, in Luke, the 7th chapter, here, uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50, we read about the story of this woman who was known, who had a reputation of being a sinner, bad woman. And Jesus is invited for a meal at a Pharisee's house. He goes in, sits at the table, they're all ready for a meal. And here comes this woman. She comes into this house, unashamed of all the guests there. Comes to the feet of Jesus, begins to you know, wash his feet with her tears, wipe his feet with her hair, and anoint his feet with a sweet ointment. And, and, and she's there, and, and, you know, and of course the Pharisee gets upset. And he says, like, you know, how come Jesus is allowing such a woman to touch her? So Jesus has a, a word with him. Then he turns around to this woman. He says, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. What can we quickly glean from this? What can we learn about faith, having faith? Her faith was unashamed. Unashamed faith. Not afraid. To display, put on display what she believed. You know, she didn't wait to find Jesus in a little corner somewhere very privately and say, Jesus, can I wipe your feet? No. This was in public. She was known as a sinner. She demined all of that. She went straight to Jesus and got what she wanted. She put her faith on display unashamed. Faith is not apologetic. Faith doesn't apologize. Faith is not ashamed. Faith is unashamed of what it believes and what it stands for. If it's not unashamed, then it's not faith. Another incident that we'd like to look at very quickly is this woman with this issue of blood for 12 years in Matthew 9. And she comes, you know, for 12 years she's trying to fight her disease with all her money. Finally, she hears about Jesus and then she decides to come to Jesus. But she's got to make her way through the crowd. And she presses her way through the crowd and she comes and touches the hem of Jesus' garment and receives her healing. And Jesus turns down to her and says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. What can we learn from her? A few things. First, hope against hope. Twelve years, she she tried hard. And I, and I can just imagine at the end of 12 years, she would have wanted to give up. Forget it. I will live with this the rest of my life. Not this woman. She said, I'm going to get a miracle from Jesus. Hope against hope. Secondly, she acted her faith. When she said, you know, I heard, when she heard about Jesus, she said, I'm going to act. I believe. If I will touch the hem of his garment, I will be well. And she went right through to doing that. Oral Roberts, the, great, the late great evangelist God used so greatly, he coined this phrase, a point of contact. And he used to encourage people to have a point of contact to release their faith. And he used the story of this woman for her. Touching the hem of Jesus' garment was her point of contact. At that point, she flipped the switch of faith, so to speak. That was her moment when she released her faith and said, This is it. 
I'm calling it done. So faith has a point of contact. It has a moment when you release your faith in God and say, God, I'm flipping the switch of faith. I'm taking what I'm after. You can do it in prayer. So God, I'm standing before you this moment. I'm releasing my faith in you and I'm receiving. I'm calling this thing done. I'm saying this mountain move. I'm seeing this problem solved. I'm calling this need met. It's your point of contact. It's your moment of releasing faith. All robbers encourage people to do it in so many different ways. Sometimes you tell people, when I pray, when I say, when I, when I say do it, you touch the chair in front of you. At that moment, release your faith. It's a point of contact when they release their faith. To receive from God. And that was this woman. It was her moment when she released faith. She touched. The, said if I touch the hem of his garment. I will be made whole. Amen. So you and I can learn from that. There are moments when you stand before God. And you release your faith. You flip the switch of faith. And say God this moment. My faith is on. I'm touching the hem of his garment. I'm calling it done. I'm settling this issue. Amen. One more story is that of Bartimaeus who had faith in God. And Jesus spoke to him and said, you have faith. This is blind Bartimaeus. You read about him in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. The story goes like this. Jesus was coming out of Jericho. He's on his way uh, down the road out of Jericho. And Bartimaeus was on the wayside begging. And he hears that Jesus is passing by. And he cries out to Jesus. He's saying, son of David, have mercy on me. Right? He's crying out to Jesus for his miracle. And then the disciples of Jesus and all those who are in charge, the ushers and the greeters and Sunday service, they say, no noise, please. Service is on. They say, Bartimaeus, keep quiet. Jesus is on his way. Don't make noise. What does Bartimaeus do? The Bible says, when they tried to stop him, he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I don't care what you guys say. Service or no service, I'm going for Jesus. I'm going for Jesus. And the Bible says, Jesus stopped. I mean, he stopped the service. It's okay, guys, pause. There's somebody who's got my attention. Smith Wigglesworth said this, that God will pass over a thousand people to reach one man in faith. Amen. Jesus stopped. He said, bring him to me. They brought Bartimaeus to Jesus. And interesting, Jesus asks this question, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, you and I would think, man, it's pretty obvious. And he's blind, he needs his sight. But I think God wants us to be specific. I don't know about you, but you know, you could probably imagine what must have been going through Bartimaeus' mind. Hey, Jesus is giving me a blank check. What do you want? Maybe I should forget about my eyesight and just ask him about, maybe one eye is enough. Not both eyes, one eye. If it be thy will, Lord, one eye. Or maybe I should ask him, you know, uh, maybe a house. Maybe let him multiply this little bag of coins that I have. The coins will never stop, multi- you know, increasing. You know, he could have thought of all these things, but he was so clear. He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. You know, sometimes 
One of the reasons we do not have faith in God and are able to exercise our faith in God is because we are not clear on what we want. We are like this, you know, thy will be done. Listen, the only time Jesus prayed thy will be done was in the garden of Gethsemane. It was a prayer of consecration. All other times, he specified what needed to be done. And that's the way God wants you and me to operate. He wants you to specify what needs to be done. When you're consecrating yourself, you say, thy will be done. But in all of the cases, when you know the will of God, you have to be specific. You want two eyes open, you want one eye open. Be specific. What do you want me to do for you? Most of us are like, Lord, anything is good. Faith is not the substance of anything hoped for. Faith is the substance of things. Specific things. Amen? Got to be specific. What do you want me to do for you? And Jesus looks at him. He says, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. What can we learn from blind Bartimaeus? I think two important things. One, don't let public or popular opinion rob you of your faith. See, everyone else was saying, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Bartimaeus shouted all the more. How many times we let well-meaning, very spiritual, godly people rob us of our faith in God. Because you're going by their opinion, not by what you know God's called you to do on earth. You better be clear. Why you're here on earth. You better be clear of your mission. Otherwise you will never accomplish it by faith. If you go asking every other person. What they think about what you're going after. Listen. Their godly opinion. Might rob you of your faith. As good as it may be. As sincere as it may be. You need to know. In your heart. What you are going after. Sometimes opinions. Can be very scary. If Bartimaeus went by what the disciples were telling him, he would not have received his sight that day. He'd say, okay, I will follow the order of service. He didn't follow the order of service that day. He said, I'm going after what I'm going to get from God. Don't let public opinion rob you of your faith. Next, be very clear about what you want from God. Be clear about it. Last two things about great faith. So here are people who had faith in God. We learned something from them. Last two people had great faith. And interestingly, both these people were non-Jewish people. They were not people who knew the God, the great I Am. They did not know the, the God of the Hebrews, the Jewish people. They didn't. They were, one was a Roman, one was a Canaanite woman. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 13. This Roman centurion comes to Jesus and he says, You know, my servant is sick at home. I need your help. And Jesus says, I will come. And heal him. I'll come to your house. I'll do a house visit. I'll come. But here's how this Roman centurion responds. He says, Lord, you don't need to come to my home. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And then he begins to explain why he has that faith. He says, you know, because I am a man in leadership. I tell People go and they go. And I tell people come and they come. I understand authority. And 
Authority being released through words. I understand that. Jesus, I recognize your authority. I recognize that when you say it, it will be done. Because you carry authority in the realm of the spirit. Speak the word only. And that will settle the issue. Jesus said, I've been to all the churches in Bangalore. I've been to APC and BBC. And I have not seen such great faith. What was great faith? Faith that recognized the finality and the authority of the spoken word of God. Amen? You and I have the spoken word of God right here. This word says, by his stripes, you are healed. This word says, my God will supply all of your need. This word says, those who wait upon me will not be put to shame. This word says, the Lord's your shepherd. You will not be in want. This word says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. This word says, no evil shall befall you. No plague will come nigh your dwelling. This word says, he will make you the head and not the tail. and set you above and not beneath. This word says that all the work of your hands are blessed. Can you say to God, speak the word only? That's enough. That's great faith. Faith that recognizes the finality and the authority of the word. Once God has spoken, no man on earth, no devil from hell can keep it from coming to pass in my life. That is great faith. Speak the word only. That's enough. God has already spoken. How are you and I reacting to the word God has spoken? How are you and I responding to that word? Are we saying God has spoken? The one who has ultimate authority has spoken concerning my life. That's the way it's going to be. Nothing else. God says that is great faith. Look at the woman from Canaan. This is in Matthew the 15th chapter 28 verse. This was a woman who had a daughter Troubled by devils. And she comes to Jesus. She's a Canaanite woman. She's not Jewish. She comes to Jesus and you know. She has to pass through the. The gates. And all the disciples are standing guards. Peter, James and John. Andrew, Philip and everybody. Wow. Twelve of them. And she says. What do you want? I want to meet Jesus. Look. He's finished three services already. He's really tired. I mean, this is Sunday. It's the busiest day of the week. When you need to make an appointment, call our number, send an email. I don't know how she did it, but she went through the back door. She bypassed the disciples. She got to Jesus. And the Bible says when she came to Jesus, she worshipped him. She worshipped him. And she, I don't think she was ready for this. here. See, According to the Father's mission, I am sent to the house of Israel. I have instructed my disciples strictly to go only to the house of Israel. This is unscriptural for me to take what belongs to the Jewish people at this point and give it to the Gentiles. He lovingly called them dogs. I mean, this woman could have got upset. I mean... She could have gone to Times of India, reported Jesus. Next morning, you know, holy man calls woman a dog. (laughs) Headlines. She could have got so offended with this. Or she could have said, okay, I see 
we have a theological problem that's keeping me from my miracle. You know, okay, maybe I'll go and study the Hebrew and the Greek or, you know, whatever. I mean, she could have gone with that. But you know what her response was? She said, Master, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the children's table. She said, I respect your theology, but I will not take no for an answer. I'm not taking no for an answer. You keep your theology, you give me my healing. I'm not taking no for an answer. You know how Jesus responded? Matthew 15, 28, he said, Woman, great is your faith. Be it to you as you will. What do you will? Let it be done. Great is your faith. You know, sometimes we allow our theology to rob us of the miracles that are available for us. We misrepresent God with our own theology. And we lose the things God wants to give to us. We let this theology become a stumbling block from the very things God wants to release for us, in us, and through us. What is great faith? From this woman. Great faith is a faith that perseveres through all obstacles. She went to Jesus no matter what. Great faith is faith that worships before the job is done. I mean, she didn't say, you know, first do the miracle, then I will give you my worship. She gave her worship before anything was done. Great faith is faith that will not take no for an answer. You say, but isn't that being strong-willed? I think you need to be strong-willed when it comes to faith. Because Jesus said, be it unto you as you will. You see, we are so spiritual. We like to put the monkey on the other person's back. On God's back, so to speak. We always say, if it be thy will. God says, ayo, just read my Bible. I have revealed my will to you. I said, I am the Lord your healer. And why are you still saying, Lord, if it be thy will, heal me. Read my word. I said, I am the God who heals you. I am the God who meets your need. I am the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. Read my word. I've revealed my will. Now, what God is waiting is for your will to align up with his revealed will. And say, God, if you said it, I will not take no for an answer. That's why Jesus asked what you will. It will be done. See, we try to put the monkey on God's back. If it be thy will. He says, I've already revealed my will. Get your will in line. Get your will in line. Great faith is strong-willed. It's a, it's a faith that says, I refuse to take no for an answer. I will press through. Great is your faith. Be it to you as you will. Family, you and I are going through life and we face different things in life. Maybe you're a student. You want admission into college. Maybe it's your exams. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a change in, in, in your job situation. Maybe it's things at home, things in your family, and marriage with your children. I mean, there are all kinds of things that we need to put our faith to. 
So faith's important. Amen? Put your faith to work. God has given it to you. God has given every man the measure of faith. You've got it. What are you doing with your faith in God? Are you using it? Are you just being robbed of it? Being a no faith, little faith? Let's have faith in God. And let's be people of great faith. Amen? Right, let's just begin to pray for a while. I want you to just respond to God and say, God, I want to be a person who has faith in you. and I want to sort out this no faith and little faith, get rid of it. I want to come out of the place of fear. This place where uh, the simplicity and the familiarity with things that robbed me of my faith in God. I want to come out of this place of being little faith, allowing worry to trouble me. Or getting my attention off of you, of your word, your promise for my life. Or just forgetting, God, your faithfulness over the years. I mean, look what the Lord has done. How he saved me, how he filled me up and restored me and made me whole. And look what he has done. And how could I ever forget his love? How could I ever forget his mercy? Lord, I want to come out of that little faith. And I want to be a man. A woman who has faith in God. And God, I want to be a person of great faith. Somebody will take you at your words. God has spoken. That word is true. It's final authority. I give it complete authority in my life. His word. I will align my will to his word. And nothing will get in between. I will be a man or woman of great faith. What are you pressing forward to? What are you pressing into? What's the call of God life? What's the purpose? What's the mission? What's the assignment? Will you pursue it? With an undivided heart. With a single focus. Because Jesus is looking for such people. Blind Bartimaeus knew what he wanted. Lord, I want my sight. Do you know what you're after? Will you pursue it with a single focus? An undivided heart with your full attention. Go after it. Let your faith in God keep building up, building up, building up. Keep growing, ever increasing. You come to a place where you say, I know my history with God. I know what I've been through. I've seen His faithfulness. And today, here I stand, knowing that I can take my mountain. Father, this morning, as we stand here, there are dreams There are aspirations, there are hopes represented here, Father God. Young people who have dreams of becoming something for God. Becoming people of significance here on earth. And doing something that will have influence and impact for the kingdom of God. There are people, Lord, who are looking to see solutions to problems. And who want mountains to be moved in their lives. And doors to be opened. Father, we pray that this morning you will inspire faith. But we will be like the Roman centurion. God has spoken. 
and therefore it will be done. We'll be like that woman who says, I will not take no for an answer. Be done. Father, we pray that you will inspire faith in our hearts. That each one of us, God, will walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Lift up His countenance on you and give you His peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.